Trinity Central. We exist to make God central to our lives and our world. You are listening to a recording of one of our Sunday messages. For more information, please go to trinitycentral.org. Well, welcome everybody. My name is James, um, and welcome on the stream if you're here with us. We're glad that uh, we could all make it. Um, well, I don't know. I, a lot of that was in my sermon, too. Now, I think Sam just probably looked at my sermon because he had access to it, but I can't explain Kevin. So, oh, He's claiming he didn't look at my sermon. All right, fine. Whatever. Do you think Jesus is smart? We think that he's kind. You know, like we have these Sunday school pictures of Jesus, and he's holding a lamb, and we think, well, that's a very kind person. And that's a person who cares about me. But do we think that Jesus is smart? Like, do you think he's, like, seriously, like, Einstein-level smart? Like, the smartest guy in the room, whatever room he walks into. Uh, do we trust Jesus to teach us about life in the same way as if we had questions about, uh, about relativity or something, and Einstein was there? We'd be like, well, I'll just ask that guy. Because if Jesus is who we say he is, then he must be the smartest and wisest man who ever lived. If he really was the son of God, if he really was God's chosen servant, if he really is more than that, the incarnate word, the second person of the Trinity, God himself in human form, by whom and through whom all things were made, God Almighty, and yet a man, well... If all that's true, then he must be the wisest person, the greatest teacher who ever lived. Uh, There's this great quote from Dallas Willard. I'm about to put up a confusing slide. Einstein didn't say this. Please don't go on Facebook and say that he said this. Dallas Willard said this. Our commitment to Jesus can stand on no other foundation than a recognition that he is the one who knows the truth about our lives and our universe. Amen? Can we seriously imagine that Jesus could be Lord if he were not smart? How could he be what we take him to be in all other respects and not be the best informed and most intelligent person of all, the smartest person who ever lived? And if it's true, in addition to his genius, that Jesus loves us, that he is a strong, kind shepherd who cares for us, that he came that we might have life, and have it to the full, and even more that he laid down his life for us to save us from hell. If he loves us like that, if he's that wise and that loving, then we can trust him. And that's what we need to do today. That's what I'm calling us to do today. Jesus, I just prayed today that you would speak to us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, increase our understanding, increase our wisdom, we pray, Lord. Amen. All right, well, I want to read some of Jesus' teaching today. Um, I want to read from Matthew chapter 6. Uh, the topic is today is giving, uh, generous giving in particular. This is what Jesus said. He said, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, Do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. 
So there's, there, there's an implication here. The first implication, very simply, is that we will have money and material possessions to bless other people with. You see, God has a very positive view of money and material possessions because he made everything. It's all his, and he made it good. So God's not hung up on money. God doesn't think it's, unspirit- or God doesn't think it's spiritual to be poor, particularly. But, as Ben preached last week, we are not owners of our possessions. We are stewards because it is all God's. It is on loan to us. The stuff that we have, the stuff that we worked for, that paycheck, whatever, that is from God. It's God's, but we get to use it. So, you know, you might look at your cell phone. Well, God made a universe with laws that matter could coalesce, okay? You know, some people say rather poetically that we are made out of the stuff of stars. So that's true, apparently. Um, so the astronomers tell us. But, you know, so is that chair, and so is your cell phone. It's all made from star stuff because God made it all. God sustains the universe every moment of its existence. He made our brains. You know, we're pretty smart. We managed to figure out how to make cell phones. But God made our brains. God made us able to do all these things. So we don't own anything. We don't own anything. But we have it in trust from God. And we're to use our money and our skills and our possessions, Jesus says, in a way that's pleasing to God. So the second implication is that is just that, that we live our lives to please our Father in heaven. And Jesus says, how do we please him? Well, we give generously to people who are in need. And if we do this, God will reward us. And the nature of the reward is left unclear, you, you might notice. This isn't some sort of like, um, I've heard bad teaching before where it's basically like investment. If you do certain things and it's like an investment in the kingdom of heaven and God will give you more money. That's not what Jesus is saying. But he is saying there's a blessing to being generous in the way that he suggests. Um, and, you know, my, my, my cousin John is a big gift giver. I believe God's a big gift giver. And when I think of my cousin John, he, he, he always said to me, you know, when I buy Christmas presents for my kids, I, like, I think of the wow factor. Like, I want them to open up that package and go, wow. I'm totally not like that. But he's like that. And I believe God's like that. God's rewards are wow. So, how can we lose the blessing? Well, we can lose the blessing by using our generosity to make us look good in the eyes of other people. That's what Jesus says. Carrying on by jumping to verse 19, says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now, interesting here, the, the, the word for healthy, if your eyes healthy, has connotations of generosity. And if the, the word for unhealthy has connotations of stinginess. So there, there, there's a generosity of spirit that comes with living with this eternal perspective where we're living to please God. And contrary-wise, there, there, there's a spirit of kind of poverty or stinginess that comes with just living for ourselves. 
No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, serve means to be a slave of, and, and you can see how it might be practically difficult. You can work two jobs, but you can't really be the slave to do different people. Because one guy wants you to take his dry cleaning out, and the other guy wants you to like mow his lawn. You can't do both things at the same time. You can't be a servant to, or can't be a slave to two masters. Because you can't be in two places at once. You know, God says things like this. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. But money says, hang on, you could buy a new car with that. What, 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 what are you doing? Don't do that. You know, God says, give some help to that needy person over there without expecting anything in return. Money says, well, I mean, maybe we could put it on Instagram or TikTok or something like that. God, money. We can't serve them both. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stir away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they, church? Yes, you are. If you needed the answer to that one, you are more valuable to God than birds. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that Solomon, in all his splendor, was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you of, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans, that is, those people who don't know God, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. J.I. Packer said, a Christian is somebody who has God for his father. And Jesus says, yeah, and that father is a good father. He will take care of you. And what do we need to do? We need to focus on seeking God's kingdom, living a righteous life. We need to focus on making God's priorities our priorities rather than worrying about our money and our stuff. So graciousness and generousness are two closely related concepts, and they are both found in God. And we serve an incredibly wonderfully generous God. God is by nature overflowing in abundance and generosity. First of all, he created this whole world. He didn't need to. He didn't need to do anything. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they had a good thing going on. But they wanted to share. God wanted to share because God is like an overflowing fountain of love and goodness and joy. He wanted to share that. He wanted to share that. He wanted to share it with people like us, made in his image, who could understand. And God is ridiculously extravagant. Take the sun. I love the sun. You love the sun. We all wish we saw more of the sun these days. Uh, but do you know how many suns, how many stars there are in the Milky Way galaxy? I had to Google it, obviously. Uh, but according to NASA, it's somewhere between 100 billion and 400 billion. Clearly an estimate, but a lot. That means there are more stars in the Milky Way galaxy than there are people who have ever lived. 
which is roughly 105 billion, something like that. So then, do you know how many galaxies there are? I used to think there was about 100 to 200 billion galaxies, which seems like a lot. But apparently now the latest estimate is something like 2 trillion galaxies. 2 trillion galaxies. And if you do that bit of multiplication, you get something that is a sextillion, whatever that is. But what it comes down to is there are more stars in the known universe than there are sand on all the beaches on earth. It's, God is colossally extravagant. It's incredible. And when the creatures God had made to enjoy him and to lavish his love upon them rebelled against him and despised him and said, we can do without you, thank you very much. Our heavenly father gave what was most precious to him, his one and only son, for whom and through whom the countless stars that I just talked about were made. And he came to earth allowed himself to be beaten, mocked, abused, lied about, cruelly executed, so that those rebels, so that we wouldn't perish in hell, but would have eternal life with that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit forever. So we serve an extravagantly generous God. Amen? It's really more than we could actually take in. And one of the great things about worship is that it kind of starts getting us to that place where we see how great and how wonderful God is. So God is generous. That is just one of the ways he is. And one of the marks of God's people is that we are a generous people. So Acts 4, this is right after Pentecost when the church is just being formed. It says, The whole congregation of believers was united as one, one heart, one mind. They didn't even claim ownership of their own possessions. No one said, That's mine, you can't have it. They shared everything. The apostles gave powerful witness to the resurrection of the Master Jesus, and grace was upon them. And so it turned out that not a person among them was needy. Those who owned fields or sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles, or sorry, those who owned fields or houses sold them and brought the price of the sale to the apostles and made an offering of it. The apostles then distributed it according to each person's need. So we are a generous people. That's how we're to be. And not just to fellow believers, although certainly that, certainly that, but generous to people who have different values, different beliefs, even to enemies. Remember what Jesus said, I want you to lend even to your enemies. Now, the, uh, the, the flooding that we've just had, you know, one, one, one thing that's really like an amazing silver lining to these disasters, and this was a disaster and is a disaster. But one of the silver linings to these things is that we see People coming out. We see the community coming out. You know, we, we saw people like throwing sandbags at that Barrowtown pumping station, like, and like dozens of people from all over the place uh, working together, strangers, friends, uh, church people, other people, whatever, all coming together and just working together with one heart and one mind sacrificially. It's just wonderful to see uh, people preparing meals and stuff like that. But I have to say, what really struck me this week and what I was amazed by and what I thought was a wonderful vision of God's extravagant generosity was a group of Sikh people in Surrey getting together, making 3,000 meals, chartering helicopters, all the way to Hope, an area, and dropping off those meals. I was like, praise God, hallelujah. That is a wonderful picture of extravagant generosity. Other groups of Sikhs were delivering pizzas to people on the highway. 
People who have been stuck there for days. You know, there's a wonderful, extravagant generosity in that which honors God. That is loving your neighbor as well. My hat is off. You know, we can either try and tear that down. Oh, they're just doing it to look good or something. Or we can be open-hearted and generous ourselves and say, hallelujah, praise God. That is wonderful. Praise God that people created in his image are displaying generosity and grace to others. And I think we can let God challenge us with that a little bit. I think we can say, how much more should we be generous? You know, as people who have known the grace of God, how much more should we be overflowing with that? I just pray, I just pray that God would overflow our hearts with generosity and with love for others. And Kevin is so right. Kevin, who just came up here, and this wasn't in my sermon, but it should have been. You know, it's not until we experience God's love and God's joy that our hearts get filled to that level of just generosity and, and, and extravagance. But yeah, let's be the kind of people who are extravagantly generous, not just to our friends, not just to strangers, but even to enemies, like Jesus said. So, ah, peripheral vision's not really working too well here. So how then should we give? Well, everything we have belongs to God. We're the stewards of our possessions. We've already, we, we, we've covered that. But there's a great implication to this. I spent like much of last week listening to these talks on giving that this guy named Arnold Bell, who was from the UK, actually from David and Rubina's old church, um, and actually Terry Virgo's ex-roommate. A little trivia for you, a little New Frontiers trivia. Um, these talks that he gave on giving about 20 years ago. And I think what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and put them up on our website at some point. Right now, they're, they're, they're not quite ready for that. But he had this great insight. He's like, the implication that we are the stewards of these possessions because God own it, owns it all. The implication is that God has, hear me, God has a divine purpose for our money and our possessions. If they're his, that means they're part of his plan. That means there's a divine purpose to what he's given us. God has plans and purposes for our lives. That includes the stuff that he gives us as well. So then every, every time uh, we kind of talk about uh, giving in the church, people always bring up the question of tithing. It's like, you know, in the Old Testament, tithing was a thing, and I think it was like 10% you're supposed to give. And is that still today? You know, like, should I be tithing kind of a thing? And tithing isn't really taught in the New Testament. It was uh, something that was intimately woven into the Old Testament sacrificial system where he had the temple and all these priests, and the priests didn't have a land base, so the people of Israel were supposed to give 10% of their stuff to provide for them. Now, you know, obviously, since Jesus Christ's final sacrifice for sins, that whole system is no longer operative. So, I, so if you ask me, is, is tithing commanded to you? I would say, no, I don't think it is. But there is a principle here. There is a principle of giving to God the first and the best of what we have that I believe is very much still operative for us. Giving to God the first and the best of everything we have in grateful acknowledgement that it's all His. 
Um, this is something that actually God impressed on me when I was in Taiwan. I was part of this, for the first time in my adult life, I was part of a church, and I was like involved. I was like setting up chairs, and I was like doing announcements, and you know, just having a great time. And uh, just part of a Bible study, just a group of guys that was uh, just very satisfying, really encountering God in wonderful ways in prayer and worship. And at some point, God impressed on me. He's like, you know what? You're getting a lot of blessing here, but you should be blessing back. I want you to start blessing back. And I did. And it was really satisfying because it was kind of a cash economy. And it was like a 25 to 1 ratio of like Taiwanese dollars to Canadian dollars. So you'd be giving like $1,000 bills and putting them in an envelope and handing it in. I don't know. I just found it very fun and very exciting. Started giving to the poor in a regular way as well. That's another thing that God impressed upon me. So I would say we don't have to tithe. I would say we get to tithe. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to give of God our best. Jesus fulfilled the law perfectly, and as born-against, spirit-filled believers, we can not only obey the law, but we can do it with a joyful heart. It can be fun, and I think that's key. So what did Jesus teach on giving specifically? Well, a lot of this has already been covered in, in various ways, and time is rolling along, so I'm going to tick along here a little bit. First of all, as we have seen, giving is a secret matter between you and God. It's not supposed to be something you advertise. Uh, the second thing, be a sheep. Giving is, or rather generosity to others is a key part of being part of God's family. This is what Jesus said. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his splendor with all his angels before him, so this is the end of everything, then he will take his seat on his glorious throne. All the nations will be assembled before him and he will separate men from each other like a sep shepherd separating sheep from goats. He will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, the sheep, Come, you who have won my father's blessing, take your inheritance, the kingdom reserved for you since the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was lonely, and you made me welcome. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you came and looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to see me there. Then the true man will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and give you food? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you lonely and make you welcome or naked and clothe you or see you ill or in prison and go to see you? And the king will reply, I assure you that whatever you did for the humblest of my brothers, you did for me. And I think the thing to notice here is that a lot of this giving isn't monetary giving. It's giving of time. That's probably the biggest thing is giving of time, visiting people, being with people. It's also generosity with material possessions. Uh, the next thing Jesus taught is that generosity is a matter of proportion. Uh, this has already been covered by Sam, in fact, uh, with the widow giving her two mites. God cares about your heart. It's not about how much you give. It's about how you give it. Uh, the next piece Sam also covered, giving a little can help a lot. Little boy gave five loaves, two fish, fed 5,000 people because in the hands of God, the little that we give can multiply in extraordinary ways. Uh, there's also reaping and sowing. You know, we determine the measure of our blessing. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9. He said, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. This was Kevin's part. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. 
then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So I think there, there is a biblical principle of reaping and sowing, and I think I've experienced this. What, years ago, actually it was only about 10 years ago, oh, it seems like a lifetime, uh, I was at the end, I had gone back to school in my 30s. And it, when you go to school in your 30s, you actually study and you actually go to class. It's really exciting. And uh, so you do well. And so because of all of that, I got some scholarships. So here was Liesl and I sitting in Fredericton, New Brunswick, and we realized that I had more money than we needed. God had provided through her work. He'd provided for the scholarships. We had money we saved up. And I'm like, we had like five grand left over, which was a lot for us at the time. And um, we were kind of wondering what to do with it. I wanted to buy a car with it, frankly. Uh, we didn't have a car, and I was getting sick of not having wheels. It sucks not having uh, a car when you live in Fredericton in the winter. Um, but we just kind of felt God say to us, I think you should give it to the church. I don't remember if it was a gift day or what. Long story short, we did. We kind of thought, here we go. But it was kind of exciting. It was kind of fun. It was like, we didn't really need it. We're like, wow, okay, let's do it. So we gave it. And... Um, didn't, not, nothing really happened for a while, although once I graduated, I got this like really cheap line of credit, and we bought a car with that, so I got my car just like six months later or whatever have you. Um, but then, about a year after that, this job that Liesl had had stock options, and suddenly, just kind of out of the blue, her company was acquired, and these options vested, and we got like multiple times what we had given, just boom, dropped in our lap. And that's how we were able to afford to come to Vancouver. And I believe that that was an example of this reaping and sowing thing. Now, it's not mechanical. Sometimes you get teaching that, you know, if you invest in the kingdom, i.e. by giving to the fat guy in the suit, that, you know, God will multiply your money, like literally, 30 or 100 times. You give $1,000, you'll get a check for 100 grand from somebody. That's not what I'm talking about. That's a lie used to rip off poor people. And it's based on a very poor reading of the Bible. But the fact is, there is a reaping and sowing principle. The Bible does talk about God rewarding us. It's just not always going to be in cash. It's not an investment. God might bless you in many different ways. Uh, God's timing is not our timing. <laughs> I mean, we've all experienced that, haven't we? All right. I've got to wrap this up, folks. Time is... I'm wasting here. Give cheerfully. God hates it when we give begrudgingly. You know, like, we love it when our kid gives us a card that they drew and that they wanted to draw, right? But if, like, we learned that our kid had to go to the store and buy us a stupid card, and here you are. We don't want that. You know what I mean? Like, we don't want that. I don't need that kind of art on my wall, you know? Like, it's the heart. So, I would say this. If you can't give cheerfully, don't give. However, however, if you can't give cheerfully, your heart's not in a good place, okay? And you need to go to God, okay? So don't give. I mean that. If you can't give cheerfully, don't give. But get on your knees and go before God and say, God, something's wrong with my heart here. I need help. Okay, to wrap this up, it's very easy for us to get into a trap of narrow and legalistic thinking. You know, where giving stops being a cheerful thing and starts being about as fun as going to the dentist. Because we're worried. You know, and we're like, oh man, gift day's coming. How much, how much do you think I can give this year? You know, like, you know. But what if giving could be fun? What if giving could be a joy? 
What if giving could be an adventure with God? Like I said, I've been, li- I've, I've been listening to these old tapes with Arnold Bell, and I was really struck. I, God really, well, there's one thing that God really put on my heart. It's uh, Arnold Bell was describing, he's like, there was a time when, when I invited Terry to come to our church. Terry Virgo, sort of the founder of the New Frontiers movement, he's going to be here uh, next year. Uh, wonderful man of God and his wonderful wife of God, uh, Wendy's coming with him, and she is amazing as well. Anyway, so uh, this is a question that's often asked, and Arnold asked, he's like, Terry, when I'm tithing, should I tithe on my net or should I tithe on my gross? You know, that was his question. That was his big dilemma. And then um, Terry said to him, well, tithing, that's really kind of an old covenant way of thinking, you know? Like, I, I, I think there's a better way for us. There's like a new covenant way of thinking. This is what Wendy and I do. This is what he said. He said, every year... You know, near the beginning of the year, Wendy and I get together and, and we pray. And we pray to God and say, God, how much will you let us give this year? How much will you let us give this year? And in faith, they kind of agree that this is what God has spoken to them. They kind of agree on a number. And then that's their faith goal for the year. Now, Arnold said when Terry said this, he felt very small. <laughs> Humiliated was the word he used. Uh, but anyway, he went away and did that. And uh, he did that with his wife, and they both got a figure that was way higher than anything they'd ever given. And he said they, gave, they managed to give that by October of that year. And he said that, um, you know, that was the year that they actually, for the first time, were ever able to afford a car. You know, like, blessing came. Real wonderful blessing came through this giving. And that's what I'm talking about. That's what I want for me. I've never done that, folks. I've, I've been the faithful giver. I don't think I've ever been like the extravagant giver, you know? Um, but this is what I want to do. And this is what I want to hopefully catch us up in. Let's change the way that we think about giving. Let, 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 I mean, if you're, if you're not giving at all, start giving. That's good. But like, let's give in faith. Let's do it. This is not law. You don't have to do this. But I'm encouraging you to do this. I'm encouraging you before the gift day, maybe. That's only a week, but definitely before next year. I'm encouraging us. Come on. Let's get before God together. If, we're, if we have a partner, then let's you know, do it with them as well. And let's say, God, how much will you let me give? And let's just see how far this thing can go. Amen? Amen. Okay, that's it, guys. Love you, but we're late. And if you have kids in, um, if you're any kids, please go get them, okay? We're just going to wrap this up, but it's actually 11.47, so if you have kids, please now just up and go get them, okay? See ya, Sam. Yeah, we're running a little late, folks. That's why we're doing it like this. Um, Reese, did you want to do a final song or... Okay, you know what? I'll just wrap us. Here. Why don't you just stand with me, stretch your legs. We'll pray a quick sec. Yeah, dear Father in heaven, dear Father in heaven, we want to be like you, Father. We want to be generous, Lord God. We want to be extravagantly generous, Lord God. But it's hard for us, Lord God. We, we, we worry, Lord. We worry about life, and we worry about do we have enough. And Lord God, this is what we're praying we're praying, Lord God, that you would set us free. 
I'm praying that you would set us free to be cheerful givers, to be extravagant givers, Lord God, to be hilarious givers, Lord, as some have said, Lord. And so, Lord God, I just pray, help us to trust you. Help us to get on our knees before you and say, how much, Lord, how much will you give us so that we can give it away, Lord God? Because um, we want to be those wonderful, generous people uh, that we see in Acts 4, Lord God. We want to be like Jesus. Lord God, Jesus never charged for anything. He never charged admission, Lord. He was always available, always generous, Lord. We want to be like that. So, Lord God, we just pray that you would change our hearts. We pray, Lord God, that you would give us a greater revelation of who you are and of your love and of your joy and of your generosity. Amen.